Welcome to the LMTP Low Man on the Totem Pole podcast. We are your tough love work friends, talking you through your workplace woes and spurring you on to your own personal career highlights reel. I'm your co-host, corporate trainer, and person who personally advocates for the eradication of daylight savings time, even when it means we get the extra hour because my brain doesn't know what the hell to do with all this time change nonsense, Katie McDonald. And here's your host, coaching and development consultant, author of Low Man on the Totem Pole, Stop Begging for a Promotion, Start Selling Your Genius, and Not Your Basic Pumpkin Spice Latte Bitch. Heather MacArthur, there you are. I like the the pregnant pause between bitch and my name. That seems appropriate. <laughs> Thank you for that. I don't get to have. The I wanted to do a drum roll. Lattes of the world. I've got to go in there and I have to order my coffee with my almond milk and stevia, and everybody else is getting their frothy drinks. So I'm just an angry, angry caffeinated individual. <laughs> More caffeine than sugar, yeah. Yeah, and I really shouldn't have the caffeine. I'm really sensitive to it. So people actually will even say to me, let's get Heather upped on caffeine instead of alcohol because I really just fall asleep if I drink, so. (laughs) Can we do both? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Well, welcome to the show. We have a uh, special treat today. We have amassed some listener questions from our amazing listeners, and I figured now would be a good pause in the conversation to tackle some of these queries and see what our brains can come up with to solve some of these uh, wonderful, wonderful conundrums. Love it. Love it. Let's let's see what we got. Okay. (laughs) So first one up, I work in product design for a well-known company. We're a nationally recognized brand, but the company is famous for underpaying its workforce. I've been here for four years and come up to my current role under the guidance of a woman who is now a VP. She's really been my mentor during my time at the company. My problem is I've recently been scouted for a similar role at another company for way more money. It's an awesome opportunity for me, and I'm really considering going for it. My only consideration is that I will alienate myself from my mentor who really counts on me and puts a lot of faith in my abilities. Should I bail for more money or should I stick it out for less than I think I'm worth for the chance to work a little longer for someone with so much to teach me? And that is from Peacekeeper. Well, I guess first it feels like there's this very drastic black and white approach of either quit and take the new job or stay. And in between there, Mm. if this person's been such a great mentor have a conversation. That's that's the first and foremost. Ideally, if you've got that level of trust, share what the opportunity is. And if this person's really a great mentor, they're not going to just consider what's convenient to them. They're going to look at what really sets you up to reach the goals that you're looking for. As far as the pay goes, I mean, it might set it up where it could drive a conversation to increase the pay, but I'd even step back and go, let's put the pay aside for a second. What is it that I'm trying to do and which job really sets up to help me develop in the long term and get the skills that I need that really enable me to have strong negotiation power at the table when I'm deciding to make moves? The first part of what you said stuck out to me too. If she's, if this is a, a, a really a good mentor, like a strong mentor, I don't know. A mentor it does not just like cut you off cold turkey if you part ways professionally like for a time where you you end up on different paths a mentor is somebody who kind of you you walk hand in hand through like the career not hand in hand but you know what I mean yeah but um and I I you know a good mentor but you know I I'll I'll be honest do I do I know some people who kind of get a little ego caught up in what loyalty means and 
they should be mm-hmm. doing this for me and look at all I've done for them. And so if you get the sense that that's what you're dealing with, really ask yourself if this is a mentoring relationship that's, that's working for you. But the other side is I just find people kind of always assume how the other person will respond and they build up a lot of roadblocks to just jumping into a dialogue. And if you've been discussing your career with them this entire time, you know, bring it up to the table and let's see what can be done. If it's, you've got a love for the company too, and I get that they tend to underpay. Mm -hmm. If you got a love for the company, see if there's an opportunity to where if you've been a high performer, now's an opportunity to say, Hey, I've got some options, but I'd rather stay here. I don't want to force anybody's hand, but is there a way we can do something? Don't be afraid of, of burning down a mentor relationship, essentially. If they are if they really are a strong mentor, they're going to uh, listen to you and, and help you walk through the crossroads that you're at professionally. And if they turn their back to you because you're interested in pursuing an opportunity that happens to be with another company, then they weren't that strong of a mentor, right? Yeah. And I, I, I just, I think there's a way to always handle that and not burn any bridges. But I've, I've had people kind of snap at me when I was deciding to take something else and you know, yeah. I get what their real fear is, is how do they backfill and do they know how to train? And I just offer whatever I can so that it's as easy as a transition as possible. Right. And on the uh, on the level of considering that a, a burned bridge, it really doesn't have to, you don't have to approach it as a burned bridge. Some mentorships are micro mentorships. They last as long as the co-relationship at the company lasts. And then you move on. Not a lot of people are lucky enough to have a career long mentor. Yeah, and I like I, I do. I, I but you know what? <laughs> With one Heather MacArthur. Oh, sorry, what? <laughs> I'm uh, slyly complimenting oh, you and thanking you for being my mentor. <laughs> I missed it. <laughs> oh, that's right. I've been so busy talking over you. <laughs> as, uh, no as I'm known to do. Um, <laughs> someone needs to mentor me on that. Um, so, but yeah, you know, I, I, I just, I, I just sense a little bit of fear and assumption in the question. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I could be wrong, but th- there's probably just kind of that old school thought of it's just you either have to leave or stay. And I just I think sometimes if you're talking with people and I've had the luck of having some managers where I really could have that conversation and we were able to one, it also set them up so that they can see that, OK, she's looking to leave. Is there a way that I can set this up so there's less pain experienced on our end, but she still gets to go experience what she's looking for. So, I mean, ideally you're always doing things as a business partner and collaborating with the people that you're working with and managers, whether they have been a mentor or not, that's just the way business should be done. Right. But to elaborate a little bit more on what you just said with possibly finding avenues for a, a promotion or a pay raise opportunity, you don't want to go in leveraging that. It doesn't sound like this person is trying to go in and, and leverage, hey, somebody else offered me more. I want to now twist your arm. If you really treat it with respect, uh, like the mentorship relationship that this person s- seems to feel it is, then you're having a legitimate conversation about career options and not about like, hey, uh, I know you're in a great position. Why don't you get me more money? Because that kind of changes the flavor of the whole conversation. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's not partnering. To me, that's strong arming. And, yeah. and even if you got the raise, it's going to leave a bitter taste. But I don't think there's anything wrong with going like, look, there's opportunities out here. Here, You know, here's what I'm looking at. Yeah, ideally, this is what I'd like. But I completely understand that that's just not something that you guys can bring to the table. You know, what's possible? And then at the end of the day, you've got to choose what's best for your career plan and make that choice. Because if not, you're going to start to get demotivated and angry that they're not doing more for you. Just as you're saying, it's important to realize that it's not necessarily a binary choice that I'm either going to take this new role and abandon my mentor or stick it out for uh, way less money and uh, stick around and 
I mean, not leech all the knowledge I can off my mentor, but like stick around on her behalf or because I've set up some kind of like expectation. Yeah, you had called out assumption. If you really treat your mentor as a partner that is invested in your career, have that conversation. See what that person actually thinks. Agreed. 100%. I love it. I love it. Okay, are we ready for the next one? Bring it. You kind of led us in to uh, to the very next uh, <laughs> question. Okay. I've been at my job for five months. I love my company, underlined, as a whole, but I hate my team, underlined. <laughs> my team members regularly pal around and show appreciation for each other, but I rarely, if ever, get invited or included in lunch plans or happy hours or thanked for the extra hours I put into supporting many of them to help them meet their deadlines. My role is largely a background role, but it would still be nice not to be taken for granted. I try to be positive and appreciative with my team anyway. This past week, a coworker openly made fun of my positivity in a team meeting. I have made a number of friends in different departments and have heard about some great opportunities in other departments that would match my skill set. What should I do? And that is from Chelsea. Well, Chelsea's got a, she's got a lot to deal with. Um, I know. You know, it's a tough, it's a tough call because I'm not there and I'm not hearing what's happening. What I would call out, you've only been there five months I don't know what the company culture is and, and how it might look or frown upon you making applications when you've only been there five months. Right. I always say that if you've got people who are kind of pulling your triggers, it's a perfect time to learn it as at the lowest risk situations as possible. And so a couple of things. One, I would recommend, Chelsea, just start to look at all your team members, not as your team, your boss, not as your boss. Look at them as these are my customers. And mm-hmm. if they are my customers, yeah, I get it. We go to work every day. We want to be able to be with this awesome team. And that's part of what you probably want in your work environment. But in the meantime, you're not getting that experience. So start to look at them as customers. Start to pay attention to them as unique individuals. What do they bring? What do they not bring? If they don't bring appreciation, then fine. Do they bring resources? Do they bring opportunities to do more of the work that you want to do? And then, you know, keep your eyes peeled. How do you maintain a positive reputation so that when the right opportunities show up at the right time, that you can do that smoothly. But that you set the temperature of how you show up versus taking the temperature from them and then reacting to it. And that's not turning the other cheek and just kind of taking it and swallowing it. At the end of the day, you're there to do something and accomplish something. And you don't want to start to get reactive to other people. On the other side, because I'm not there, no disrespect to you, Chelsea. I just want you to question yourself. Is there something I'm doing that maybe is causing some of this? Either one, I'm misreading when they're when they're making fun of my positivity. Maybe there's an, they're actually trying to joke with you and bring you into the loop, and maybe they're doing it clumsily or in a way that, that you're not comfortable with. But mm. there's some good intentions around there, and I don't want to sugarcoat because sometimes people are just you know behaving like jerks, and I get it. But just question, you know, is there a chance that maybe it's just not the way that I operate? So I'm reading things on a higher level of negativity. But, you know, if it isn't and you feel like, no, 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 and you sit there and go like, no, Heather, other people can't stand them either. And I've definitely been in a group of, you know, mean girls department and it it, it was no fun. But for that year, I really focused on go out, do really great work, handle it professionally, and then decide what I want to do and what move I want to make so that. I don't lose my sense of passion because I'm in a, in a culture that I'm just not enjoying. That totally jibes with the way I read this as well. I totally agree that it, it's a matter of perception. Maybe this team just has a different communication style 
and you aren't privy to maybe they're super sarcastic and that's how they joke with each other and that's not the speed that you're running at so you're you guys are not on the same level whatever it is i'm not not trying to blame, not blaming the victim the reality of it is your energies don't match the energy that you are bringing to the job and the uh, and the team do not match the energy that you're getting from your team that's not anybody's fault it is just strictly speaking a mismatch and that can make you miserable but it helps to see it not as i'm in the right they're in the wrong that can really set you up for a lot of unnecessary misery and frustration like you were calling out but just realizing hey maybe this isn't the strongest match for me can kind of soften that feeling of like oh i don't belong here i'm not i'm different everyone's against me it's not a war nobody's against you nobody's walking into the office every day saying oh that chelsea i'm gonna get her but just realizing that there's possibly a mismatch in the energy that you're bringing in and possibly, yeah, like you said, look for those inroads now and see what advocates uh, you can find and or make out of friends in other departments. Because uh, she mentions here she's made a number of friends in different departments and heard about some great opportunities in other departments that would match her skill set. Yeah, I was going to jump in. I was just going to say, you know, in terms of as she's looking at those different connections, I usually say you want to give something a year. You know, you, you, by all means, make the judgment if you can't bear something. But in your career, you want to give something a year to really go, okay, have I really learned all I can from it? And if you're working with people who trigger you in a way that doesn't feel good, that's an excellent thing to learn to work with. Because those types of behaviors, not the people, it's the behavior patterns that are driving you nuts. And you're going to go places and they're not going to be as appreciative as you'd like them to be. So mm-hmm. how do you switch that? How do you gear that up? Continue to make the relationships that you're making But I'd throw this out here. I'd start to look at what is it that I'm looking to receive and how do I give some of that? And I heard her say, you know, like, okay, well, I've been positive and they were making fun of it. I go back and go, okay, so was it that they were trying to be funny and bond with you? Or is it that you didn't mean it and it feels like this kind of surface thing that you're pushing out there because you're trying to make it better? But they're Uh... picking up on the fact that that's BS and they're kind of responding to it like, you know, not buying it. Or they're just jackasses. And they could be. I mean, they're behaving like jackasses. It's not your job to necessarily put them through the therapy to get them where they need to be. But there's going to be jackasses no matter where you go, no matter what you do. So how do you work with this particular group of jackasses, if that's what the situation Mm -hmm. is? Get really good at navigating that, providing them good customer service, and then build that reputation positively as you have been. And then keep your eyes peeled for that timing of, Like I said, a year is usually a decent time to make that if you're trying to stay with the company. But if you've got people who are looking to snag you and you feel like you can do that without little repercussion or you're just willing to go, I don't care, I'm leaving anyways, you know, you've got to make that choice. Consider that there might be some room for some learning with how to work with difficult personalities for you right here. Right. Appreciate the challenge that's been presented for you for the opportunity that it is to kind of learn to power through. I mean, if you're able to do your job without Machiavellian politics, which, you know, just crazy backstabbing and nonsense, they're just a little mean. Yeah, that this might be a good proving ground to see how you can continue to deliver that excellent customer service in adverse circumstances in kind of a low stakes environment where people aren't like gunning for you. It's funny that this one comes up because I actually had a conversation relatively recently with a a contact, a, a friend that I made at a client company that I was working with that 
for a lot of reasons, was very uncomfortable with her boss in her current, uh, in the situation that she found herself in. But uh, when we were sitting in a room together, I was, I asked, well, why did you take this job? Well, it was way more money than my previous job. Where I report to work is like five minutes from my house. It's actually changed my way of living in a positive way in a number of different ways. Like, okay, so how much time does that buy you? And she was like, what do you mean? I said, well, the guy you're working for sucks. How much do these other things that you appreciate about your role right now? How much time does that buy you three months to kind of sit in this role and say, hey, you know what? I really like the paycheck that I'm pulling down every two weeks. I really love that I can stroll across the street and walk into work. I really love this. Keep your Oprah appreciation journal and see how far that gets you. Can you ride three months on that appreciation? Can you ride six months? Can you ride a year? Because a year is a good benchmark. And then start making your moves aggressively. Just like take that time to appreciate where you are and and work where you are. Yeah, I love that. And I I always say like, go and and stop going to the well and it's empty every morning and you're driving yourself crazy and go to the wells Mm -hmm. that you're actually getting. Business is all about trade. So you've got this job and it's five months in, who knows? These people might end up being people who you absolutely adore, but if they're not, Hmm. You go to the well, you're looking for appreciation. You're looking for like people who you'd laugh with and hang out with and go get drinks. And the well is empty. So instead, go to the well that they're providing. And like you said, oh, well, it's, it's a close commute. There's the money. There's the job work that I love. Or just simply like they've got information, like I'm going to trade on that. Or so-and-so has access to this client. I'm going to trade on that. And I'm just going to stop going to this well. And that's why I like treating people like customers because we don't have all these expectations for them. But we have all these expectations yeah. for team members and they should show up this way. When they don't, we just stare at what they're not doing and drive ourselves nuts. <laughs> Every day they prove they're not going to do it. We just get angrier at them. Instead, like if we looked at them like customers, we'd be like, okay, how's this guy going to show up? Interesting. This guy's kind of mean and rude, but he's paying for his burger. Great. Let me get take the order. He gets the burger. I get my paycheck. <laughs> we move right along. That's how you can kind of work it. And that sets you up where you're showing up confident, service-oriented, bringing your best self to work. And then, yeah, look for, I, I do think having your ideal environment is, you know, you want to build that as much as possible into your career. I think if you really want to be successful in business, you got to get good at working with all kinds of jack wagon behaviors. And this sounds like mm-hmm. maybe whatever they're doing is the perfect recipe for Chelsea right now to be triggered. And How do you get a little bit better at working with it and not getting triggered or defensive or irritated before you necessarily jump into another job? Because you'll be shocked at how you think you left those people behind and now three other people from completely different families show up and behave the same way. You still have to learn how to work with those behaviors. I do hate to invoke Oprah. Who am I kidding? (laughs) I don't hate to invoke Oprah. I love Oprah. But she was, uh, she had a somebody on, I wish I remembered who it was, that uh, she was interviewing recently, and they said the same type of people will show up in your life over and over until you learn to deal with oh, I that totally type agree. of person. I totally and agree. And then you'll yeah. see the... Right? So yeah, this is the opportunity to start dealing with it head on. I think that happens like a video game, too. I think like it shows up on the first level... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> That's I mean, really, yes, I'm I'm totally visually don't, following. Well, don't you. visually follow me too much because the last video game I played was Donkey Kong, but. That's what I'm thinking. I'm so thinking there Mario. You go. So I always think of Donkey Kong. And if you don't, if you're, you know, like what? Donkey Kong, uh, 1980s, look up the game. It's cool. But the first level, they're throwing, you know, the, the gorillas up there with this woman who, for whatever reason, has bad choice in men. And she's trapped. And now this guy's got to go save her. And the first thing that the gorilla's throwing at him are barrels. And you've got to learn how to jump over those barrels. And if you don't, you go to the next level. And now it's barrels and fireballs. And if you, for some reason, could, like, work the game and skip this level and just jump to the fireballs, you're not better off. Like, you missed a skill that was critical. So when you're, I always think of that when someone's really pushing my buttons, you know, I'm like, how can I deal with this in a way that I really like how I dealt with it? Not, I dealt with it in a way that brought out this amazing side of them that now all of a sudden I love. Just that I like that I either stood up for myself in that situation where I wasn't standing up for myself before or that I just stopped caring about whether or not these people thought I was great. Like I was able to just kind of like myself for who I was and have confidence in that. Or I was able to ask a question when someone was coming at me and being critical and focus on how to solve something versus who's to blame. Whatever it is that you can turn around and go, I really like how I showed up there that's when the lesson's been learned. Then that's when you can move on. It's not necessarily, I think people think the lesson's not learned until there's this beautiful relationship. And I don't think everyone's supposed to be in your life. So, but I think there's those certain behaviors. Do do you get set up? And I would imagine, I'll say this for Chelsea and anybody else, there's probably jack wagon behavior you've had thrown at you on a regular basis. And you go, yeah, I, I just don't take that stuff personally. And you move through it either because you've assigned that group of people as people that you expect to kind of have difficulty and you're okay with it, like customers, or these are just things that don't trigger you. Someone yelling at you, well, you know, my, my aunt used to yell a lot. It doesn't get to me. I just can tell they're frustrated and you handle it well. But for some reason, someone saying something passive aggressive to you, oh my gosh, that drives me nuts. I can't handle it. And now I'm, now I'm triggered. Right. It's just that that's a level that you haven't beaten yet. Yes. You have to keep playing yes. until you beat the level. Because you earn the, that's how you earn the skill. I love that. <laughs> Thank analogy. you for appreciating my 1980s video game uh, capacity. <laughs> right? Yeah. So stay on that level and jump those barrels, and then you'll figure out what to do when the uh, when the fireballs start raining down. That and I don't know what happens great. after that because I never got past the fireball right. level. So that's all I got. <laughs> I just I just went to game over. Okay. Question number three. In the last five years since I've been hired, my company has adopted a policy that bases every employee's wage on available market data for that particular position. I was hired in at the high side of my market value, according to my company's research, in parentheses, because I'm worth that much and, frankly, more. Hmm, All right. Got some... Got some BDE going on. I like working for this company, but I'm feeling trapped by a seeming inability to get a well-deserved and long overdue merit increase. My question is, do I have to leave or is there a way to fight the market data monster, in quotes, that dictates my company's policy? That's uh, from Ray's Wrangler. Um, First of all, I don't see it as a merit increase. If you're a business owner, and I've said it in these other podcasts, Think like a business owner, and even though you've set up shop underneath a bigger umbrella. So you set up shop, and they said, we did market research, and this is how much, on average, people are charging for the type of services you provide. So I don't want to pay more than that, but I get that you do a little bit more than these other people, so I'll pay you on the high side of the scale. I think that's just smart business. Mm -hmm. What's wrong with the company doing that? Because if I was looking for a plumber, 
and I didn't know anything about plumbing and I started to do market research and let's just say, you know, the plumbing uh, thing was for this particular job was $500 and that's the average price. But this person is so good and comes highly recommended. Fine. I'll pay six fifty because he keeps fixing stuff that I'm going to all of a sudden give him a merit increase. This is, this is the problem with thinking like an employee as an employee. It's like, I've been here a long mm-hmm. time. I should get more pay because of time and service or because I do a good job. But a business owner gets like, I've got to create a demand from you to take on more of my services or new services that you weren't using me for before so that I can then negotiate for either more money or a broader scope of bonus or whatever it might be. So instead of going like, oh, I'm capped here, you should be thinking about what is it that I can do for them that they're not even thought of before or that they absolutely need. And I sell them on letting me do that. And then I come in and I negotiate around, here's what that would cost. Sometimes what I do, especially when you're working internal Mm -hmm. in a company, is I do negotiate, give me access to do this stuff first. One, it helps them. Two, I get additional things on my resume. And then as I build demand, because it's all about supply and demand, demand for these types of creative solutions that I'm coming up with, then I can come back and go, you know, the nature of my job's really changed. It's moved into a different direction. Let's talk about what that costs. I don't ever worry myself about, oh, well, they're saying market cap on this because I know I'm going to invent something next year that they're going to need. I'm going to solve a problem. I'm going to do something different. And so whatever the salary calculator is at, that's not going to match kind of the work that I'm doing. And eventually then I can say, hey, we've been doing this much and now there's more headcount and let's put me into a higher position so that we really can set this up to be structured the way that it needs to be. So I am negotiating for my career, but I'm also helping them along the way because once again, it's about that trade. But if you are thinking like an employee and you think, oh, it's ridiculous that they've got this system, I'm like, Anybody, if you go to a car dealership and you're looking to go buy a car, what do you do? You research the internet and go, what's the average price for this? And now I'm going to go to that lot and I'm going to try to negotiate the best possible price. That doesn't make you a jerk. That's business. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I get it, especially if they've got a lot of employees. They're setting themselves up so where they don't have a situation where they're either paying people unfairly or they're overpaying for a service that they could get technically at a less price. Right. I love what you've pulled out of that because it involves having a conversation that takes that title out of the equation. Because really, the way I'm reading this question, the merit increase in the market data information is all wrapped around a title. Well, somebody that comes in with this title that does, you know, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point is worth this much to us. What I'm hearing you say is... I'm going to show you how many more skills beyond bullet point, bullet point, bullet point I bring to the table. And we're going to have a conversation around what those actual skills mean to you and are worth to you rather than, oh, I am a plumber. You pay me what you pay a plumber. Well, no, I'm a pipe artist. Yeah. Uh, or I'm even, an artisanal. I love that. A pipe <laughs> artist or just honestly broaden the scope and say I'm a home care specialist. So Ooh, yes, you brought me in yes. for plumbing. But there's all this other stuff that I can actually do for you that you didn't realize could be done. But look, I also get some people go, I I don't want to think about it that hard. I kind of want to be an employee. I just want them to pay me fairly. Well, I got news for you. They are paying you fairly because that is the running cost for what you do. And it's supply and demand. Now, let's say you do something that's so unique and you do it in such a great way that it's hard to find people who do things like you. Then have that conversation and say, for me to feel like there's growth, I need to see an opportunity to do X, Y, Z. But I still go back to, if you're going to go talk to your manager about your pay and your title, they're your customer. They're paying you. 
you should come to the table with some sort of proposal of what you'd love to do for them and the company and then how much that might cost. This whole idea of time and service and reward for good performance, that's what hamsters get. That's not what business owners get. (laughs) And as we've been groomed, and I don't want to be dismissive about the person who's been trained, we've all been kind of coming out of these organizations for decades, that their whole goal was, how do we retain employees because we need them to stay and then retire with the gold watch because we need their knowledge. And technologies really change that. Now what they need is their mm-hmm. your creative problem solving. And so unless you're solving new problems or broader or more complex problems for them, why would they pay more? That's like saying like, well, you've been driving that car. It's been reliable for four years. We'd like to up your payments because it's been doing such a good job. That would be nuts. <laughs> That'd be nuts. You'd be pissed. You wouldn't you wouldn't deal with it. That's not the deal that we had on the table. I love that they said, like, I'm worth so much more. Absolutely, you should be priceless. But your services will be based on supply and demand. And if that's why when people get mad about baseball players making all kinds of money, I'm like, well then, you know, stop buying tickets because that's what's causing that to go mm-hmm. up. And that, that's capitalism. So, you know, there's certain jobs out there that there's enough people to go around to do them that we don't worry about it or there's, we don't prioritize it the way that we should. I, you know, I was in the military. Do I think that people who are serving the military make more that should make more than a baseball player? Absolutely. But guess what? There's way more people that could go sign up in the military than there are that can play in major league baseball and more people will tend to care about and get emotional, unfortunately about baseball or fortunately, I'm not trying to knock baseball, then, um, <laughs> then whether or not the soldiers are getting paid. I think a coffee table conversation, someone would go, oh, they should, and that's horrible, blah, blah, blah. And then they go back and they go watch their game and they call it a day. And that's just our reality. I like to make reality play in my favor. So if the reality is supply and demand, let me go out of my way to make sure that I have unique supply and create demand for it. And that's the hustle. Yeah. And the companies benefit, you benefit, but yeah, you don't get to, if you want to sit back and wait for the company to reward you, then yeah, you're absolutely at the mercy of whether that when I shell out a little extra dollar towards you. Right. Play outside of the rules. So the, the employee dynamic versus the business owner dynamic that you set up completely plays into the parameters of this question. I don't want to play their game. This question asker actually says, is there a way to fight the market data monster? Well, don't fight that monster. Go and have a separate conversation. And if you engage in that power dynamic, you're going to lose because you're in employee mode. If you go out, I know you and I in a uh, in a training environment are really familiar with the term WIFM. For those who haven't heard it, it just stands for what's in it for me. If you are a business owner and you are pitching your product to the, the person who you need to buy it, which in this case is the company that you work for, you have to walk in with a brilliant pitch. You have to have their with them. Why? How does it actually help you to give me more money? Well, I will tell you how it helps you. You're going to have to hire four more people to solve the problems that are laying ahead in the landscape that I'm happy to tackle for you by myself so you save you know four people's worth of wages well and i even say like one let's just i don't think that the data is a monster i think it's great because employees never used to have access to how much they could value what their work is and what it might be and so to have that data i think it's great i don't think i think don't look at it as a monster and don't look at it as something that you got to tackle i say great that's what they're saying for those types of things what are the services that i want to provide and i i will say I tend to go in and I use what I call the drug dealer's model. Sorry, but I do. (laughs) I get people addicted to what I'm doing. And then we talk about, one, 
if they agreed to have me come in and do it, then that's the price that they agreed to. And great. I'll do more than what they expected all the time because I want them addicted to my service more than anything. And then as I get them addicted and I'm in there and I genuinely have things I can provide that are helpful for them, that it just creates this opportunity for them to get more stuff out of me and me to get a little bit more money out of it. But it's a trade. And I, 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 to me, I love it. I love the fact that that's how business runs. And I'm not bothered by the fact that it's up to me to kind of create this demand because that's the challenge. That's the hustle. And if you don't want to be in business, if you want to be an employee and not think that hard about it, I get that too. Focus on the work that you're doing, but you're, you're basically avoiding uh, risk and, and reducing the risk that you have and the effort that goes into it. So you're going to reduce the outcome and the income that you get out of it too. That's just, that's just the way the math is going to work. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it, that this this data empowers you as much as it gives control to the company because it's a two-way street, everybody has access to it, and you can start talking outside of those parameters. The drug dealer model is my new favorite <laughs> analogy. I thought I was uh, I had a new favorite analogy with the video game. <laughs> video games and drug dealers. Final mini boss level. <laughs> Just bringing the class to your corporate America. <laughs> Keeping it classy. Keeping it classy. Well, <laughs> well, I think we've kept it plenty classy and uh, and found some great workarounds and great solutions for these three listeners. So moving this forward, we would like to hear from you next. If you have a question or a story that you want to share that has to do with what we've talked about on the show, previous episodes, or this episode, if you want to hear us discuss something that's on your mind about uh, your place in your career or the business world in general, or if you just want to tell us what you think, we haven't heard any of those yet, and I, frankly, am curious. Tweet us at LMTPConsulting, message us on Instagram, low man on the totem pole, all one word, or email us at lmtppodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for those who have uh, reached out with their listener questions. This was a really fun one. I can't wait to do this again. Heather, what do you I think? I love it. I love it. I Please send your questions. This is great. I know, right? All right. Until next time, thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Bye. Bye.